Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And for the third week in a row, I've got my friend Ranny Childress with us. And gosh, if you missed the first two episodes, uh, please go back and listen to them. He has the most fascinating life story and how God has just uh, worked in his life in some of the most amazing ways. And it's fun for me to hear them. And so without saying any more, I'll just say, welcome back, Ranny. Well, thank you for having me, Paul. Sure, glad to to get to know you better and to hear your story. And we'll pick up where we left off last week. Uh, you'd just finally been paroled from jail. You were out in a new home, new truck, new car, new bulldog. You were married, <laughs> and you continued in the job you were working in uh, while you were still in jail and counseling people and helping people. And that really took off, and you started helping people not only in drug rehab and those types of things, but helping them spiritually. So I just want to turn you loose, Randy, and, and tell people what how God what he showed you and what you've been doing with that. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me back again. Sure. Yeah, we left off. I recall last time I just got released finally, mm-hmm. and I was at home, and I was went back to working in my job, going to work every day. I mean, I didn't take a vacation. Just went straight to work, started working every day. And I will say that I drove myself a little bit, and I have to admit that over the years, I had to. I realized that I was trying to make up for all those years. And I was trying to, uh, well, I was trying to please God. I wanted to prove to God that I wasn't the old bad guy that used, you know how it is. I was just driving myself to do, 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 do. And, uh, of course, I had gotten frustrated a little bit with my spiritual side, what I really, I'm going to call religion side instead of spiritual, because I I was mad at the church that I was, the worldwide church, I was mad at them. Because they had thrown away all that stuff I liked, you know, all the rituals and Old Testament festivals and all that. And so I disassociated myself with them. And I tried this church and I tried that church. I tried other Seventh-day churches. I mean, I went to Jehovah Witness meetings. I went to all kind of stuff. I looked into the Mormons. I mean, I just I was really looking. I said, okay, if they say they're wrong and they're frustrated. And so finally, let's say how it happened. I, I kept working, and I do. We'll throw this in here. About a year after I got out, a guy that used to be my counselor in prison had moved to Nashville to work for a private prison. It's called Corrections Corporation of America. He had given me a little card when I was in prison. It just had the thing about recovery is a journey, not a destination. Like, and he says, if you ever get out, and this is when he left. And to go take this job many years before, he said, bring this card. And he said, "You, I'll, I'll hire you. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't realize I wrapped it in a piece of plastic and I kept it all those years. Well, he caught, they had a job opening. 
And I will never forget, I showed up for the job interview in Nashville. And there was all kind of people there for the job. People that already, that, and I walked in, I sat down across the table and Bob looked at me. He said, hey, Randy, it's been good to see you, man. And uh, he's like, he was the kind of the head honcho. And he said, well, he said, what you got to tell? He said, why do you think you should get this job? And I reached in my wallet and I pulled out that, and I unfolded that piece of plastic. I handed him my card and tears started streaming down his eyes. He said, the interviews are over today, folks. This is the man that's got the job right here. Because he remembered, you know, promising me that job. <laughs> and I took it. That was an amazing year or so in my life. I started working in a prison in Nashville. I would go through in the morning, and they would give me a set of keys and a radio that I carried on my side. And my office was down in the cell block, and I helped run the drug. Just It was a program like the one we'd started back in Alabama in the prison. And it was modeled after it, and I, I was one of the supervisors that ran it. And as time went on, I wanted to try to get transferred to Tennessee to live because I would go up and stay a week and come back home. Uh-huh. And they never would let me transfer up there. Not Alabama didn't care, but Tennessee wouldn't let me. Now, I work in the prison there, but they wouldn't let me move up there and live. So <laughs> go figure. <laughs> so I did that. And finally, I just said, well, I'm, I'm going to have to go home or something. And so I just came back home. So we still had our house there uh, in Fife, Alabama, <laughs> is where it was. And uh, I come back and I just put the word out that I was back in back. And the guy that I worked for while I was in jail, he immediately called me. He said, before you go to work for anybody, you come back and see me. And he rehired me. And I put me right back to work and then put me in as his uh, manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, straight in, and I started helping him run his programs mm-hmm. and stuff. And I did that for several years. And I was dabbling with church and stuff during that time. And then I get a call one day from somebody, and they said, you know, there's a program in Gadsden that's been there for years. They're looking for an executive director. And I'm thinking, I'm executive director? What does that mean? He's like, hey, you're the, you're the honcho, you're the main dude. I'm like, me? I don't know. So I'm, somebody taught me into going, so I met with their board of directors, and they hired me. And it, their program was in this old house downtown Gaston, Alabama, and we discussed it, and I said, they said, yeah, we'd like to hire you. They were in bad financial shape. The place was really in rough place. The building was in bad place. And my wife told me later, she said, you love to take programs and ministries that, that are crumbling and build them up. She says, that's what you like to do. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Don't ever say that again. But anyway, so I did. I took the job. It, it, most people are like, why did you do that? You had a cushy office. You took this job where water's leaking on your head. Well, I started a project there to get a new facility built. You can go look at it now. It's still there. A guy that I got out of jail many years ago runs it now. I went and seen the mayor of that city. I heard that they'd given away some land to the Humane Society. So I went up with my shit shirt and tie, and I asked them for five acres of land to put a program on. And they were like, well, no, we don't do that. And I said, I read in the paper that you did. 
that you did it for. I said, I'm trying to help people here. <laughs> and they like, I said, man, who are you? I said, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, and I had packets foiled out. I passed them out, told them what I wanted to do. Well, anyway, long story short, they gave me that five acres of land where they gave the organization the five acres for a hundred dollars. And what the former mayor paid the hundred dollars for me. And then, uh, and we built, we had the money, we sold the old fellowship, built the facility, and it was the nicest in the state, that level of care. Beautiful porch. You can see it now. You pull it up. It's called CED Fellowship House in Gadsden, Alabama. It's beautiful still. But we moved in in 2006, and uh, our help built it up. Our finances got better. Our contracts with the state were certified for the Department of Mental Health. It got all better, and I'm going to church, and I'm getting to a point here because I was in 2009. I started having these symptoms, and they took me. They sent me for tests. Sure enough, they found blockages, and they said we need to. Uh, you stents are not going to get it. We need to do open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. So I immediately, in a few days, I went in, and, and it did not go well. I died, and. Uh, I suffered what they call ARDS. It's acute respiratory distress syndrome. Uh, they had me on, uh, you know, the respirator. Then, and I was on it so long they had to switch over to a trach. I remember during that time hearing things, but I mean, I heard them discussing my funeral. They were talking about, and I'm married to this. I don't want anybody thinking I'm going out on the ooey ooey stuff, but uh, I remember lying there in that bed. I, I know I was. Might well say in a coma, so to speak, but I could hear people. But I started having a conversation with God, and because I heard them talking about it, he's probably not going to make it, you got to decide where to pull the stuff, all that. And I was like, and I said, "Hold up, God, let's talk about this." <laughs> and I was just kidding around, but I remember saying in my mind, "God, I know I cannot earn what you've given me, and I know I can't." make up for all that bad stuff. But if this is my time, I hope, you know, I'm still at that point, got that thing from that old teaching. I hope I've done enough that I'm going to make it if this is it. And I felt this warm shower go all down my body. Never forget it. And best I put together the next morning, I, my, I opened my eyes and I, my wife would confirm it. I, I was in bad, bad shape, man. I started writing notes about, look, y'all need to get me up and get me moving. I got to, I'm, I got to get up. And they're, the doc, they had tubes in me and all kinds of stuff. And the doctor said, if we pull those tubes, not only is it going to hurt, it may kill you. And I said, pull them. And they pulled them and I didn't even feel a thing. 30 days into the hospital stay, they rolled me down to my car. I got in my car. My wife drove me home. I could only walk three steps at a time, but I went back to my office and started back to work. But something that happened in my mind when that happened, when I when I had that conversation with God, I forgot to tell you this. It's like I heard a voice go, it's kind of like this. You know, you know what I mean, those moments. It's kind of like, Randy, you're finally where I want you. And I reconnected with my old pastor from the old days, GCI pastor. And he was having a Friday night Bible study and I started going. And I started hearing this 
Trinitarian thought, this grace-centered thought, this works out the window thing. And I started just grasping that. And I'm like, and we'd meet every Friday evening in our little rented room. And I, just like with, with the treatment centers, I've opened my mouth one night and said, there's 10 or 15 of us there meeting. I said, why, why don't we get a place and, and start having church every week? You know, we got enough people to have church. And they all looked at me and the pastor looked at me and he said, okay, find a place. I said, oh, no, no, that's not what I meant. I, I meant y'all find a place and I come. <laughs> so I got elected find a place. Never forget this. My mother, again, was living in one of my sister's rental homes and had moved. And, you know, and I had been out there to see her. And one Sunday, my wife said, you need to go see your mother. Because I looked everywhere for a building. Most people would not rent us a building because they knew there was no church in it, you know. So my wife said, we need to go see your mother. So we went out to my mother's house. I found where she lived. I'd never been to this new place where she'd moved to. I went in, and she's got on one of these big smocks, you know, how the older women wear with the pockets in front. And then she hugged me, and we sat down. And she looked, she looked at me. She said, Randy, have you been looking for a church building? I said, how do you know that? And I looked at my wife, and I said, did you say that? Call her? She said, no. And she reached in her smock and pulled out some keys. She said, I got one. I said, you got a church? She said, yeah, right down here. It was an abandoned church with pews, sound system, fellowship hall, and everything. My mother had rented it just for the heck of it. The pastor died. It was an older church. Needed some work. But had all that stuff. She handed me the keys. She said, there you go. I thought you might be looking for one. <laughs> and that's how we ended up with starting our first church. The pastor, he's like, wow, man. And so what we did, guys from the rehabs, I'm connected with two rehabs. Really, I'm executive director of one, and I'm helping with one down the road. These guys volunteered and worked, did all the maintenance work, got this thing up. We had our first meeting there in 2010 on Easter Day, we had almost 100 people there, just shy of 100 people, showed up to help us, and guys were bust out there every week. And I, I wasn't a pastor, I was just helping. And he started getting me, I kind of got tricked here, Pastor Bob started getting me up to fill in for him when he wasn't there, and to get up and give little talks, you know, and then he'd get up and give the main message. And we weren't sanctioned. This we he's a GCI guy. We were like, nobody had told us to do this. We just doing it. And they were doing it as outreach of the church in Birmingham where he, and we just kept on and this turned into a man is a regular going. And so he put me up for ordination. Well, I was there again. It's like in prison. Everybody kind of blowed their mind. They like, huh? He did here they knew me a lot of them in the system. They go, but you mean he's Randy? The, can we do that? And uh, their legal team said that might not want to do that. You know what I mean? Because they they catch questions about it. Well, one of the writers for their magazine, which was not playing truth anymore, it was something else named John Halford. He ended up being one of my best friends. He's from England, but he had dual citizenship and lived in Indiana. He found out about this. He flew to California. They were headquartered in California then. And evidently, he went out there and made a speech to them that all the things this guy's done and doing, 
if y'all don't ordain him, we need to just shut down because this is what we're supposed to be doing. Right? They approved me and uh, Joe DeCoste Jr. and John Halford and the, some of the big names for that denomination. They came to Birmingham and ordained me as a pastor. Wow. And I ended up being assigned as the other pastor's assistant. A little time passed. We finally moved out of that church building and moved in to an old abandoned building closer to the rehabs, so we'd be closer. Remodeled it, <laughs> moved into it, and they come down, and what they did, they made, instead of me just, us just being an outreach, they made that a full-fledged pre-Sandy, its own little church, and placed me in charge of it as the head pastor. And I'm like, how in the world, what is going on here? And the name of it was New Outlook, Christian Fellowship. Well, the name of the program we started at St. Clair was called New Outlook. uh, Since then, I've also helped start a a medical detox in a hospital near here, and it's called New Outlook. But anyway, that's how I ended up in the ministry, and I continued doing, obviously, my job where I made my money was counseling and uh, pastoring, and it developed into in 2017, and I'll talk a little bit more about my personal journey, I formed Grace Ministries at Rafa as a separate nonprofit, you know, and that's what I'm really doing things under now. But as the journey went, I, I was introduced to some years back, somebody handed me the book, The Shack, and I'm sure most of you heard of it. I've ended up being friends with Paul, the other Paul, then uh, man, that pastor I'm talking about, he gave me that copy of that shack, and I got to flipping through it. And I seen where it was about a little girl getting killed. I threw it in the trash. I said, I've been spent years around people that do that kind of stuff. I don't want to read it. Well, sometime later, I ended up hearing it on audio book, and it just blowed my mind. And then I started looking up. I started uh, GCI. I will say this, in the early days, they were interviewing people like Paul Young, Baxter Kruger, Steve McVeigh, Ray Anderson, who's passed now, and I love his book, What the Gospel of Judas. Mm-hmm. I love it. But I started learning from these guys, and there's that, look, it's not about, I ain't got to worry about, I don't have to stress out over if I'm doing enough to make up for all that bad stuff. And it took me a while to grasp that. It's like, Look, man, you're forgiven. That stuff's forgotten. The only person that keeps remembering it is you and other people. And, of course, you know, I've had it thrown up. Even in my ministry, I've had it thrown back up to me. Some of the stuff I've done by, you know, uh, certain people, you know, and I don't, I have never held that against them. Some people uh, don't think I, I mean, after all these years, they still don't think I deserve to be doing what I'm doing, that I need to be dead or in prison. And uh, I mean, I've just had to accept that and deal with it. And I understand where they're coming from because I've been there. Sure. I've been there where like, oh, you need to take that guy out behind a courthouse and shoot him. I mean, you hear people say that stuff now. They'll say on TV, somebody committed a crime. They take him out back and shoot him. You know, and I've, I've probably said that myself before. People probably said that about me. But you know what? We're not God. God looks at me yeah. and says, hey, you know what? You're my favorite. That's why I tease the guys at the rehabs. I get them to do stuff. I like, 
who's God's favorite? And they'll all go, I am. You know, you know, <laughs> and I love that kind of saying. I'm like, you know, and stealing from Paul Young's book. I was like, Papa's especially fond of who? And they'll go, me. Yeah. You're teaching these guys that you work with about God's unconditional love and grace and inclusion for everybody and helping them see their real identity and not and, and quit believing the lies that they thought they were no good before. Man, that that's my definition of ministry, man. Well, you know, that's the thing, you know, Paul. It's like now, I, those guys at the rehab, most of them, you know, most, I mean, I have to say this, most so-called jail ministries or rehab ministries, they always point out all this bad stuff you've done, how bad you are, what you got to do to make up for what you got to make sure you focus on every day what you shouldn't do. See, I, I've changed the whole philosophy on that. Look, it's just like uh, I agree with Steve McVeigh. You are not a piece of crap. You may be waiting eye deep in, in crap. You may be covered in crap because of the stuff you've done. But we can wash all, you know, G- Jesus washes all that crap off. You're not crap at the core of your being, your identities in Jesus Christ. I mean, it's no no secret. You know, I started, I've got a wife. I remember John 3, 16, everybody quotes it. And I got to where I say, look, I always remember John 3, 17. He didn't come to condemn the world. He come to save it. I said, I don't know why everybody always leaves that one out. Yeah. And, you know, I know that obviously some of my favorites, I've got to where my gospel is like, one of Baxter Kruger's favorite, you know, John 14, 20. You know, if I got it on the coffee cup, I like it. <laughs> but, but you know, it says in the Passion Translations, so when that day comes, and I believe that day is now and has always been, you will know that I'm living in the Father, that you're in me, and I'll be living in you. That We're one with God, and we're one with one another. In uh, Acts 17, 28, in him we live and move. and I, I mean, just holds everything together, you know. And the freedom to be relaxed about your standing in God. You know what I mean? Don't have to all the time stressing that, oh man, I didn't pray enough this week. I didn't I didn't give enough money to the church. Oh man, I I, I said oh I slipped up and said a bad word. All that. yes, I have come, you know, I know we're not supposed to misbehave. That's just you know when you're misbehaving. Sure. We're not stupid. You know when you're doing yeah. wrong. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> he wants us to have fun and enjoy ourselves and to learn to be. And I know you realize this to be just to be. And out of my being, my doing will be better. Yeah. I will do things that I enjoy to please my loving father, not out of obligation. But how to show him, I want him to know that I love him back. Yeah. Oh, that's so well said, Randy. And I, gosh, I'm so glad that we connected. And uh, I know we're going to connect even more and uh, get involved in some things together and stay in touch. I, I can't thank you enough for doing these three episodes and for listening to God and being faithful and for doing the work that you are and helping people. As I said the other two times, I just see God's hand all over your life from the very beginning through all the things that uh, you went through. And and we go through stuff, you know, uh, we all do. But uh, you're in a position now to take all those things that you went through before and use them for good and to help people see 
their true identity, who they are in Christ. And what a wonderful thing God's doing and what a wonderful thing you're doing and being obedient to what he's called you to do. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. We've started this ministry just I formed it in 2017, really didn't use it for a couple of years. I just did the chapel services there to rehab. Well, then in, I was told by my bookkeeper, he said, well, if you don't do something with it for three years, it'll, it'll go away and you'll lose your standing. So I started doing some stuff with it, and it's like it was time. I ended up uh, ordaining a guy named Tom Fallon in Indiana who does the same kind of ministry, and he needed credentials so he could go into jails and stuff, and I got to know him, and he definitely fits the criteria, so I, I put him under our umbrella, and then the COVID thing kicked in, and I got, I'd got i already got to know was Paul Young, you know, on a more personal level, and, and, and been around Baxter Kruger a good bit, and and then I, met, I had met a guy at the, one of those conferences uh, named Gary Wisdom from Texas, a retired law enforcement officer, federal law enforcement officer. God's got his sense of humor. This guy has been—he was at, like like the assistant director of security over uh, the Department of Energy with for the United States. His badge number was retired. That's how we got to be friends, and now he's one of our pastors and represents us in Texas. He's got a ranch out there in Texas. And then I got to know through him, Robin Smith, who from California, who wrote the book, It Is Finished. And she just finished another book that's just been put out called Awakened. Got to know her and we ordained her. Now she's one of our pastors in California. He's going to be passing through here in a couple of weeks, visiting with us. And then I've got to know a guy in San Juan, Puerto Rico named Dr. Ricky Ramos, he's got enough letters behind his name to tangle you up, you know. But he's a real good guy. He's asked to be affiliated with us. So he's going to translate our stuff into Spanish because we do have our own version of a recovery program called Life More Abundant, LMA. And it's a Christ-centered Trinitarian philosophy of recovery. And the motto is we're all recovering from something. Him and his wife are going to translate that into Spanish. Uh, he's going to be one of our pastors. And I met online yesterday with a young man from Cameroon, and he's real smart, and it's looking like he may come in with us. And another guy from Namibia, I don't, I never can pronounce it, still close to South Africa, he's tied in with us. He just wants – and we met all these people, and another guy from Nigeria who's a pastor – and they're not hustling us for money or none of that stuff. They're just because we don't have none to be hustled from. You know what I mean? <laughs> I told about I, you know, I'm a pretty outspoken guy. I told him, I said, if y'all thinking that you're going to be playing on us for money, you're at the wrong place because we ain't got none to be played on for. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they go, no. They said, nope. We're not after the money. We like the message. Oh, man. I said, that's cool. I said, we can handle that. Yeah. But it's just amazing. God is letting us touch people all over the world, Australia. Also, we recently got a lady that's participating with us. She lives in South Korea, and uh, they liking this message. They, they see the stuff on the Facebook, and the you know, I, I pointed some of them towards you, and this they like hearing the messages that you're giving, that I'm giving. They just want to hear it from a, just a regular old sure. down to earth person. Yeah, let me share with me what God's done for you. And to reaffirm that what's happening to me is real. 
well said, Randy, and God is really up to something, and we're doing it together, you and me and those other people that you mentioned and lots of people around the world, and, man, it's exciting to be a part of it. It's it sure is, and I guess we're out of time again, but we will stay in touch. We'll get together again, and as we finish up, let people know once again how they can connect with you and find out about you. Yeah, we're Grace Ministries at Rafa, and you can uh, connect with us through our website at www.graceministriesatrafa.com. The website's being worked on right now, but it's still accessible, and you can contact us at chaplain170 at gmail.com. And give you help you out any way we can. And we have meetings every Sunday live at our chapel, but we're you can zoom in and participate with us if you so choose at eleven AM Central. Boy, that's wonderful. Randy, thanks for sharing your story and your time with me. And I've just really enjoyed it and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I hope it, it helps. I'm just <laughs> who knows? You know, I I I wonder about these things, but I just thank Uh, God for the privilege. Me too. Thanks again, and thanks to all of you who've been with us today uh, for another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.